0: Hey, it's Kirsten. Do you feel like you're spending way too much money on supplements? When I started out on my health journey, I was also shocked about how expensive high quality supplements were, especially as I was upping how many I was taking. That's why when I became a practitioner back in 2018, I started offering my clients a way to save up to 25% off many of their supplements through a company called Wellivate, which is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-E. Through Wellevate, you can order many of the supplements that you're already taking, like Pure Encapsulations, Gaia Herbs, Enzymedica, and others at discounts of up to 25% off retail. And shipping is free for orders over $49 within the United States. The only way to buy supplements through Wellevate is through a practitioner, and I will earn a small commission at no additional cost to you while you're saving money. So if you want to start saving upwards of 25% off your supplement bill, go to the resources page on my website at carefullyhealing.com forward slash resources, and go to the WellEvate section. You don't have to be a client, just set up your account and start saving. I'm Kirsten Ramstrom, former Wall Street analyst turned holistic health practitioner. In 2015, I suffered from chronic allergies, lifelong back pain, and fatigue and brain fog that were so bad that I feared that I had a brain tumor. Then I found the first medical medium book and I quickly recovered from these symptoms plus many others. Fast forward through all of my trial and error and hard lessons learned, and now I'm using all of that knowledge and experience to help people just like you heal. I created the Quest for Healing podcast to give you clarity on what a health journey really looks like, guidance to get you through challenges you may come up against, and support and inspiration here whenever you need it. So, if you're looking to take control of your health so that you can move forward with your life, you're in the right place. Welcome to episode 85. What a special episode this is today because we're here to talk about how the physical, emotional, and spiritual all tie into a health journey. Now, I know you may be thinking, nope, I'm just here to heal my symptoms, and I just want to drink my celery juice and follow my antiviral protocol, and I totally get that. That's how I came into this too. I really just wanted my brain fog and my fatigue to go away, but what I figured out along the way as those symptoms started healing and other things started getting better was that I didn't quite fit into the life I'd built for myself anymore. I wasn't happy with some of my relationships. I wasn't happy in my job or where I lived. And I wasn't happy about how I'd set up my life. My life really just didn't fit anymore. And I wanted more than that. And one night, and I randomly happened to be in Costa Rica for a family wedding. And I was, of course, listening to a medical medium webinar. Remember when he used to do those? And he said something and it hit me like a ton of bricks and made me realize that I had some emotional and spiritual work that needed to be done. And it was time. And I knew that that was what was going to take me to the next level of my healing. And that it was going to make me happier and freer in my life. Because that's a point of all of this, right? We want to heal our symptoms, but why? And it's because we want to live our lives in the best way that we can. So my guests today, and yes, I said guests, are here so that we can explore how the different aspects of ourselves, the physical, emotional, and spiritual, all tied together in a health journey and how you can start exploring the areas that maybe you haven't paid attention to or focused on yet. I would like to welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Sherry Green and shamanic practitioners, Eileen Crispell and Amy Jones. Together, they've started a new program called The Snug, which they will explain in more detail during the episode. But we're going to dig into how the physical, emotional, and spiritual pieces really fit together to support your health journey and your life. And they provide you with some great advice about how you can start taking steps to explore the aspects that you might not have started delving into yet. And so with no further ado, let's go right to the episode. Well, ladies, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited for this. This is the first time I've had four different people on the podcast together. So I'm hoping that the dynamics of this are going to work well, but I have a feeling they are because it's just so great to see all of you. I've spent quite a bit of time taping podcasts with all of you individually, but it's nice to have you all together.
1: It's nice to be here.
2: Very nice to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Amy, I want to start with you because I wanna talk a little bit about what a shaman actually is. Cause this is something for a lot of people that they don't exactly know what a shaman is and they have a lot of ideas that may seem a little more woo woo than they're comfortable with or a little on the outskirts of, you know what their life experience has shown them. So could you talk a little bit about that? Like what is a shaman and how did you become a shaman? Yes,
3: I'd love to talk about that because it is a strange term, particularly coming from somebody who lives in suburbia in the UK. It's not really a term that you would use for someone like me, <laughs> but it's, it is is simply a term that Eileen and I use in the sense to explain that we work with people on the level of the soul. We're working on the level of the soul for the purpose of healing, but that's not everybody's definition of a shaman or shamanism. If you were to put that word into Google, you might find all kinds of weird and wonderful things. So it's a tricky one, to be honest, because no one likes to be labeled. No one really fits inside a box, especially none of us medical medium people. We're all a little unique. <laughs> but you do need something to go on. And it's the kind of thing that it can either send people running towards you. running away from you (laughs) it's a really funny um term but what eileen and i try to do is let people know our parameters around it what we are hoping to achieve as shamans like i say we're here for help and healing and we're here to work from a place of compassion a place of light a place of truth but not only that eileen and i layer everything absolutely everything with medical medium information that's really our heart ground so shamanism is something that we both trained in and very specifically with one particular school which is global because you will know we're from different parts of the world but one type of school that just looked at core shamanism the things that were common between all these Different wonderful shamanic people from across the world. It just took what was true for all of them and brought these things to the school so that people could learn. And it resonated with me because it gave me scope to understand what on earth was going on with me, why I was experiencing the world the way that I am, how my intuition works. It gave me scope to understand this. And that served a really great purpose. But if I'm honest, I would say, Most of my learning comes from medical medium, my own healing journey, from the way that I have been able to help others on their healing journey. That's rich learning ground right there. So when Eileen and I talk about shamanism and being shamans, it's a very particular thing that we're talking about that perhaps would be hard to recognize elsewhere. So we've called ourselves one doctor and two shamans. Because it's a little bit humorous, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Absolutely, it's like the one doctor and two shamans walked into a bar.
3: Uh, Absolutely, that's the intention. Yes, (laughs) and uh, although you wouldn't catch any of us walking into a
0: bar, we know the
1: joke. (laughs) Maybe maybe a juice bar.
0: Absolutely, the 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 one doctor and the two shamans walk into a juice bar (laughs) and order a
1: bunch of celery
0: juice. (laughs) That's us. I love it. Could you give us a little bit of color when you do a session with somebody? I mean, I have all these wild ideas in my head and sometimes it's the shaman dressed in, you know, animal pelts in front of a fire, banging on drums and shaking rain sticks and stuff like that. Is that the kind of work you do or the sessions you do with people different from that? That's such a great question.
3: I always say, and I say this to my clients, having a session with someone is like jumping off a cliff. You don't know where you're going to land. You don't know what's going to come through the door. And somehow, some way, that feels entirely comfortable to me. But it, So it doesn't look one particular way. Working in a really intuitive place, sometimes you are just there to remind people they're going to heal and hold that faith for them and hold that space for them when their world feels like it's starting to fall apart. Because many of us know that's what it feels like when we're healing sometimes. Sometimes we're just keeping them together and helping them get back out into the world sometimes we're working on past trauma and yes there can be a little bit of ceremony and you know things like soul retrieval which which may sound a little bit more shamanic in their nature but even something as simple as a motion code is shamanic in some ways it's called extraction where you're literally extracting Negative trapped emotions from somebody. So there's some things that are actually very normal in our culture. But sometimes we take people through shamanic journeying as well, where we teach people some of these tools to use in their lives. So it can look like anything from a conversation to something more ceremonial to some drums and some, you know, connecting with the compassionate realm. But really, it's about Working with wherever that person is, working with whatever that person needs, working with whatever that person feels comfortable with, whatever their belief system wants them to do as well, you know, and and honoring that person. I don't know if maybe Eileen, you would add any more to that.
2: No, that's amazing. (laughs) I would say exactly that.
0: And it sounds like from what you were just saying is it's really something that's accessible for anybody that the practitioner, you choose the right practitioner and that practitioner is going to work with you from where you are. And if some of the way out there stuff is not where you want to go and not what you're comfortable with, that's not where they're going to try to take you. They're going to try to work with you at the place you're at so that you can make steps forward in your healing.
3: I would always say work with someone that you love. Just really work with someone that feels good to you, that you look forward to spending time with, and that you feel really comfortable with. So, yes, it's for anyone because anyone has a soul. (laughs) And anyone who's been on this earth has had their soul a little weathered and worn. And we all need a little bit of healing to our souls. And we all need to know how to safekeep our souls. In fact, I'm just going to say that's another thing that Eileen and I have as a core way of working is that we believe that everyone should be empowered in the healing of their soul. So we like to teach a lot. So while we're healing and working on somebody, we're also trying to give them all the tools that they need so that they can go and do this because we should each caretake our souls. And I believe that we used to perhaps have that language of the soul that just got a little bit eroded from our culture. So yes, it is a really unique thing that would suit anyone, but only if they're willing. <laughs> you can't work on someone's soul without their permission and without them being willing and open to that. Amen. I would
2: just add exactly to what Amy's saying, is that for me, the way, the reason that shamanism came into my life is because I was experiencing things as a human that nobody could explain to me. The doctors couldn't explain it to me, and I found my answers in shamanism. And so I always think of shamanism, is this lost record of what it's like to be human, because shamanism has been around as long as humans have been around. And the conversations I I often have with people is they open up and share these experiences, these the feelings they're having. And I go, yeah, that's innately human, but we just don't talk about that anymore. So it's really demystifies the whole thing for people and it gives them a framework for what they're experiencing. Isn't weird. It's actually just about being human.
0: Absolutely. And I feel like in this day and age, the experience of being human has gotten sort of crazy lately. (laughs) I'm not going to point to any of the bizarre (laughs) specific examples, but I think we all feel it. And even just talking about this as vaguely as we're talking about it, it even calms me down because it's like, yes, we are all just souls here looking for some more healing and comfort and peace. So why don't we move on? Dr. Green, where I'd like to go next with you is if someone is working on the physical aspects of their healing journey. And obviously you're a doctor, so people come to you, their starting point is generally because they have a physical ailment that they're trying to heal. How do you view the emotional and spiritual aspects of healing? How does that tie into that physical journey?
1: So when I was working in traditional medicine and working with patients, I was trained with surgery and drugs and trying to get people better from that one pathway. And it became very clear to me that there was something missing. There was something in the healing journey that was not being taught or shared in medicine. And I just got really curious about, well, what is that? What is missing? And no matter what I learned and studied in books and trained and Trained in all these different scenarios with um, institutions and doctors and residency programs. And so, why was this a mental, emotional, spiritual piece missing? And that is my journey where I got introduced to a lot of different things down the line that had me bring those things back into my practice and started realizing that there's all these pieces here that people are dealing with. They're not just a body part, and the physical stuff wasn't going to be enough. And one thing I just wanted uh, to make a point of saying that uh, that where Amy said, and I think this is where we're, we're so we come from these different perspectives, but we're all facing in the same direction about empowerment. And I, as a doctor, want to empower my patients to be able to be their own best doctor and to really understand their body and what's going on for them, and not have somebody, you know, not be disempowered in with the doctor, when they come in with whatever is their ailment and whatever's going wrong, that they get to be really strong in in their convictions about this is my body and this is what works for me. And this is what I feel and what I don't feel. And if you don't agree. So I love how that we all, all three of us have that we want to empower souls. Right. And interestingly enough, you know, my entryway into a lot of this, you know, when I, before I started studying alternative medicine and functional nutrition and all the different things and modalities that I studied, I was working with souls, just souls on the bottoms of people's feet. And I was very aware that I would sit at the foot of a patient and would hold feet. When I became really aware of that on another level, it became a whole different journey. And that probably started when I started doing energy work and studying craniosacral therapy and doing Reiki and whatever else I was training in at the time, it just became like, oh, look at all this energy flowing and what's happening here. And are people in their bodies? Are they not in their bodies? And all of those things came into play. So, you know, and it was like, how do I bridge all of these different, the physical piece and, and then recognizing all these mental, emotional, spiritual pieces. So I did study a lot of very esoteric metaphysical things to try to, you know, how do I tie them in? I would always, I said, it's my spiritual toolbox. I would always be my spiritual medical tool bag that I would be like, okay, let me see what else I can put in that tool bag. So to have other things that people might need to help people on their healing journey, wherever they were, and to help meet people where they were at, because not everybody is ready for everything right? They're ready for bits and pieces and they then they evolve as time goes on. It's the same thing with diet and food, right? Not everybody's ready to jump full on into medical medium information and it's very hard to let go of certain things. So meeting people where they're at is is primary. And I made many mistakes along the way around that because you get all excited about, oh my God, I just got the answer to this. And then you want to share and it doesn't always translate. Yeah. How did that
0: go when you started introducing more of that into what I assume was a very traditional medical practice?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. And it was really lots of conversation. For me, it was like, okay, how do I as a doctor take Anthony's work as a medium and make it really grounded and real for somebody that, and the statement, these two know that I say this it just came to me over time was if I know something that's going to help somebody to heal and I don't share it because of some stigmatism or belief system that somebody has to me, that's malpractice. So if I'm keeping that to myself and I know that something's going to heal them, I don't care where it, it comes from. So I would really, I'd have to introduce people to say, yes, he is a known as a medical medium, but I would give people my experience and share what I've uncovered, and how he helped me, and when I spoke to him, and what my experience was like. So I I gave a lot of my own story, and my own experience with Anthony, and how uh, profound that was, and how life-changing it, it had been. So it's like when you talk in the language that people can understand, and try to ground it, and I always talk to people and I say, you know, have you really read that liver book? It's quite a medical textbook in there. So, and just to let them be a little more open to it. So it was, it was tricky at first for sure. And then to to pick and choose, like introducing this to people along the way. So yeah, it was fun.
0: And what kind of results did you start seeing after you started bringing Anthony's work or maybe even reiki or some of the other metaphysical things that you had learned into your practice how did the results look from that
1: well it really was fulfilling for me on a lot of levels because it was it i was filling in the gaps and it was always about filling in the gaps of like okay You know, I can only get so far with somebody who has this chronic pain or tendonitis or injury and it wouldn't budge. And then I was like, oh, well, let me see what's missing. And the same thing when Anthony's information came in, it was like, wow, like there are so many missing pieces that I've been like waiting for that, you know, after studying with countless different doctors and practitioners along the way especially in the world of nutrition, how confusing that is for people and understanding that and my own mistakes and looking at it in a different way. So that was really, it It just, it accelerated things in a lot of ways. Um, it healed things. It got people over their hump where they were stuck. So it was great. It was really just like exciting and fun. And now it became like when you get something new and you discover something that's going to help somebody that's super uplifting and yeah, you want to share it. You want to share it. Awesome.
0: So Eileen, I want to go next to you because your practice is obviously more soul focused and by nature can end up being less physically focused. And so when you think about, the spiritual aspect of somebody that you're working with, how do these other pieces fit in with that? How does the physical healing fit in with that? How does the emotional healing fit in with that?
2: Well, we can talk about it in some really simple ways. If somebody has brain fog, they're not going to hear me. And until they clear up that brain fog, we can't go as deep into the work. If somebody's on a lot of medications, particular kinds of medications, I often ask new clients, what medications are you on? Because some of them will affect their ability to really go deep in their emotions or their soul work. Amy has a joke where she's like, no, 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 come to me last you know, right. It's really actually quite helpful for people to have started their physical healing journey before they come to us. There's a connection that happens, you know, when somebody like Dr. Green says, give up dairy and gluten and all of this stuff. And they try and they recognize that food is an emotional experience and that changing their lifestyle is a big deal. Then they're ready to talk about it. And so that's why often the line is they head for the physical stuff first and they're talking to Dr. Green. And then she calls us up and says, this person needs some emotional support in this journey too.
0: But if you have somebody who started the emotional journey, how do you recommend they supplement that? Well, it's interesting because sometimes they're
2: unwilling to, there are people who really just come from that extreme other side and they just have this belief system that if they just spiritually are in the right place and vibrating at the right place, they don't have to worry about the physical stuff. And that's one of the reasons why I love that the connection we all have is the medical medium information, because he's got these little tweaks and pieces of information in there that are hard and fast. Why those two things are linked, why the, you know, so our soul is in our brain So I'm just going to draw some lines in the sand. If we have heavy metals in our brain, is that not affecting our soul? And so don't we need to get those heavy metals out of our brain to help heal the soul? And, you know, if you take melatonin, you'll have nightmares. But now we know nightmares are your soul healing. So it just links up all of this information so well that I've definitely said to those people, you know, I will work with somebody who has no interest in doing the physical healing. But I see it over and over again that there's a limit to what we can do together. To shamans I've trained with, I've tried to hand over the books and the information and they have zero interest in it. And yet I see them going through things and and hoping the spirits will heal them. And I'm like, if you drank some celery juice, you'd feel better, <laughs> you know? So it is a funny thing because sometimes people really do, they are coming from one side of this um, or the other, but I think what brings Amy and and Dr. Green and I together is we see so clearly the connection between the two.
0: And Amy, do you have any examples that you could give? Obviously, I, I'm not looking for specifics about a particular client or anything, but where bringing in more of the medical medium protocols in terms of food and supplements, and you know the the regular knock down the pathogens, get rid of the heavy metals where that really helped one of your clients and how you brought that into the work that you do. Yes,
3: there's so much to say in response to that question because there's so many different aspects of it, taking heavy metals that Eileen just talked about being in the brain. So we know from Anthony that heavy metals will make decisions for us. They will tell us bad things about ourselves. They have just that negative voice. So When you're dealing with people who are in anxiety, depression, they've got OCD going on, people think that's them. And it's really not them. It's the metals. And that's one of the first things I will be saying to someone is, this isn't you, and this is you. And that is the most empowering thing for somebody as a first step, is to stop identifying as that physical, intruder in their body so that's a anything mental health is a very emotional and spiritual journey that's very soulful because it's right there in the brain Um, another example is how people's intuition will skyrocket if they go into a mono cleanse or they're just doing their celery juice or if they stop celery juice for a little while Um, they notice that their intuition kind of goes away a little bit. Then they bring it back. Perhaps they've been traveling or something. They bring it back and they're like, oh, it's back. I've got my intuition back. So there's so many ways in which what's happening for us physical is an emotional and a spiritual experience, even down to, I mean, we can all relate to this one. You haven't eaten for a little while and then your emotions start to go a little bit wobbly and suddenly you don't feel like you're quite as in control of what it is you're feeling sleep as another one you know the emotional and the physical if the nervous system hasn't rested we can be a little tearful and a little hysterical <laughs> because we haven't had that replenishment in the body so it's a funny thing and i think it actually speaks to how disjointed we are in terms of the physical, the um, emotional, and the spiritual. Because you have a camp of people that will think it is all about the spiritual. Like Eileen was saying, I trained with plenty of those people that were just trying to raise their vibration out of their diseases. And they'll still be there today trying to do that. And then you have those people that just wanna do the physical, and they don't want to touch spiritual, don't talk to me about faith, don't talk to me about anything spiritual. But I think it says so much about a greater kind of sickness that we have is that we've lost a sense of who we are, of this sense of wholeness. And that's definitely a mission for me, Eileen and Sherry. And if you look at Anthony and what he's doing right now, he's trying to overthrow this monopoly of you have to be told this is how you heal and you go and see the expert. Instead, just in our bookshelves at home or stuffed in our drawers or next to our beds, we have all the information that people have studied years for in colleges and universities. And it's right there in books in really simple terms. And it's really overthrowing. This current system that we have in place that says, okay, this is physical. And then in a separate cupboard, we have emotional and it's somewhere else. We have spiritual and we just want to throw it all together, stir it all up <laughs> and deal with that piece.
1: And that's where the gold lies. We find. I have an interesting kind of uh, situation that is similar to what Amy was talking about from the other side where somebody was really doing just the, metaphysical um emotional like energy healing meditations over and over and over again to try to heal something significant that was um neuropathy and that person ended up kind of checking one found out about medical medium came to me and ended up implementing all these things and that's when her journey changed and before that who she was working with was saying, no, this is, you can change this through the energetics and through, you know, meditation. And she had enough strength and courage to say, you know what, I'm going to go search out for this. And so when we put all those pieces together, it's not throwing any piece out it's integrating them all. And you can definitely do those meditations and energy work and visualizations and all those pieces that you do for yourself. But, you know what? We might need to do these. We're in a physical body right now. And it's this dense physical body and those pieces matter. What we put in our body matters.
0: I think you guys all make some just amazing points here. And I think about my own journey. And when I started, I had really bad brain fog. And so even though I was working with this Chi healer, I was doing it from a place of massive brain fog where I basically would sleep at my desk every day, every afternoon at work, and I wouldn't really wake up in a day until about nine o'clock at night, right before I had to go to bed. So I clawed my way through the fog every day, but I knew that there was something that needed to happen. And so I had found this Chi Healer through a friend of mine, and that was sort of the aspect I started on. And then I found Anthony's work, and I did really view them as separate. and while. I found his work right after the first book came out. He did have the angels section at the back of the first book, but I didn't really read it. I was much more focused on the physical, but it was probably 15 or 16 months in that all of a sudden it hit me like a ton of bricks that, oh yes, it is all connected. And the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual are not independent of each other. And they are three pieces of the pie. They overlay on the pie rather than being an individual piece of the pie. Mm -hmm. And one of the points that he made that drove this home so clearly for me was when he started talking more about cleansing and he talked about when you cleanse and you detox out old adrenaline, yeah. You detox out the old emotions that are attached to that adrenaline. Yeah. I mean, what a fascinating link that's that made. So powerful. Right?
1: Yeah. So because powerful.
0: it is literally pulling both or all three of those pieces really just together in one spot to say that's really part of what happens. And it's so important.
2: That's really an important piece, actually, that I use a lot because. When I can say to people, so they're maybe experiencing an emotion and what we talk about, well, do you have a reason to be experiencing that emotion right now? And if there isn't, and I go, are you detoxing that emotion, right? And so instead of spending hours, weeks, days, worrying about why am I feeling this emotion? It's, oh, all I need to do is let go of it. Yep. Right. Done with that one. Now we can get onto something really important. I had a client who spent a couple of years in therapy dealing with something that wasn't really anything that needed to be dealt with because nobody could say to her, you were just detoxing that. So this is where those two pieces become brilliant. And I think the way the one doctor and two shamans came together is because we were collaborating with clients and all of us love a collaborative process. Because all of us love to see that the needle really gets moved for people when we're in a collaborative process. So when a patient or client gives us permission to speak to each other and we're working in collaboration for their betterment, it's exponentially different what
3: happens. Another great little nugget that Anthony gives us that links the body and the soul is that when the soul is scared, the adrenals will run. That's in the adrenal chapter of liver rescue. So if you're not dealing with those soul wounds, and you're trying to get rid of that viral issue that you've got, and your adrenals are shot, you know, you're you're not giving yourself the best chance of healing that. So that's mind blowing information that we're so privileged to have these days.
0: That is amazing. And I tie that into what Eileen was just saying, if you have a person who has been in therapy for a couple of years trying to work through something, there's some stress, there's some adrenaline that goes with that, there's some frustration that goes with that, there's a lot of things that go with that. And to be able to let that go and say, it's really not something you have to work through, you can just let it go, bring the adrenaline down boy, you just shortcut a whole bunch of work there, didn't you? A whole lot of effort that wasn't really getting you anywhere.
2: In the same vein, if if Dr. Green's getting on the phone with somebody who's anxious and she's spending the first 15 minutes of that conversation calming that person down, it's not an effective use of anybody's time, right? So that if they can be working with somebody so that they can get on the phone and not be so anxious with their doctor, whether it's Dr. Green or somebody else. Right you know, Dr. Green is a pleasure to work with. Not all doctors are, <laughs> right? But if they can get on that phone call and be more empowered, then they're going to get a lot more out of that appointment. And these are just the practical aspects.
1: Yeah. Because there's just many more people are in panic these days, right? Uh, there's a lot to be panicky about and to have people be working on these other components to help them deal with more of the anxiety and the panic while they're doing their physical, the foods they need, the supplements they need, whatever else they need. And then they are doing their soul journey at the same time to know how to manage things as they come up because things are gonna come up every day. We can't walk through this lifetime here, especially now without being triggered in some way, whether you're being triggered physically or emotionally.
0: Absolutely. So Dr. Green,
1: If you were
0: talking to somebody who has really just been focused on the physical aspect of their health journey right now, what would you suggest would be a way that they could take the next step forward into the emotional or spiritual piece?
1: Yeah, I work with that regularly, um, trying to get people who are they're very hyper focused on the physical, and so how do we kind of broaden? a little bit so that they're not so anxious about the physical and their physical healing journey, that it is a longer journey for them and that there are so many other pieces and parts and awarenesses that they're going to have for themselves. So for me, I tend to bring up that subject about faith and trust and helping them to understand that you may not see it right now, but this is a much deeper journey, your healing journey than you may be aware of. And I encourage prayer. I encourage that's when I'll bring a lot of Anthony's meditations and tools in for people to be able to try them, you know, the sunset meditation to try to get people not so like, I'm not better yet. I'm not better yet. Why am I not better yet? So to kind of pull back a little bit and look at this as a, a broader journey that they're on, not just a physical journey that they are on this mental, emotional, spiritual experience in their life. And to just pull back a little bit to see a bigger picture and just give those tools about teaching them about prayer, teaching about the angels, asking for help, a higher help, having them tune in. Like, what do I need? Like, what do I need today? That's not maybe a physical, what type of emotional support do they need? So, We have all these conversations and it gets very unique, but depending on who that person is, right? So it depends on what their beliefs are, their background is. And then, so we try to talk about where they come from in that, whether it be religious journey or spiritual journey and what type of experiences that they've had. So you can't always get people, they're not always ready to sit and meditate, but they can, a lot of times listening to a guided meditation is a little bit more helpful not for everybody there's people that it's harder for as well and then there's other times where i will talk a little bit more about homeopathy which is more of a a different type of remedy as well so that can help on the emotional level when they can't sit and be still and using some of the homeopathic remedies to deal with a little bit of more emotional so it's more of a vibrational tool to work with with a patient so those are things those are types of things that I'll turn to.
0: Okay. I think it's fantastic that Anthony has started adding some of those meditations to his podcast. Oh. Because what a gift yeah. to be able to much more passively just play it on your phone yeah. versus trying to sit down at the book and remember it. Like there's a fat releasing meditation or something that it's like a 45 minute meditation. I f- I set it up with all these bells and timers and stuff on my insight timer app. But to have somebody to walk you through the timing on that and to create those visualizations, it's such an easy, quick way. And he has been adding new ones to his podcast for that, which are just brilliant.
1: So yeah, the breathing meditation is so is so helpful. And I think it's so empowering to do that meditation really is.
0: I agree. I just did it this morning. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) It's beautiful. Well, wonderful. So Eileen, in terms of tips that you would have for people as they start trying to bridge this gap between one aspect of this or another, what is one of the things that you recommend of people?
2: Well, this is the reason why I tell stories. I went to somebody once to help me in my own work, and he's what's going on and about two sentences in, he's like, "Can I stop you?" And I said, "Yes," and he goes you give people truth bombs and they don't like it. (laughs) And I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of what happens. And he said, you need to put it in a box or into a container for them. And that's why stories are so awesome. Because when you talk about, you know, Dr. Green says, I tell them my story. So when I talk about myself, it's not because I want to talk about myself. It's because people can relate and that opens them up. And one an exercise I've done myself in a number of different areas is journaling is really useful for some people, but for some people they resist it. But if you can just sit down and write your story, write your story about your health and or write your story about your relationships or write your story and put it out. Because the first thing I do with people when I get on the first session with them is I say, please tell me your story. And they tell me what's going on and they don't see it because it's in their story. And I'll repeat to them something they've said. They'll say, how do you know that? You just told me that. (laughs) You told me it in a little bit different words. I'm repeating it to you. And so that's what I find too, is like, if you can open up and write your story down and then read it, you will see in your story that there's something there for you. And I also tell people like our world is oriented to the analytical. And that's okay where we get really good prowess with our analytical sides, but we do have this other side and it can atrophy if we don't take care of it. And it's not about one or the other side being more important. It's that when those two sides are both strong and in alignment, that's when the good stuff happens. And so it's okay to let go of your analytical side for a little bit and work on getting your prowess for your soul side and your emotion sides so that those two working are, are working on a more equal basis. Even like with our intuition, some people want to really, I want to strengthen my intuition, then learn because you can't intuit what you don't really know. And that's again, why these books are brilliant because they give you the information to intuit. And so again, these, these two sides of us work better when they're both strong and working with each other.
0: So true. This is so resonating with me because I am a very analytical person, right? Like I worked on wall street. I analyzed stocks. I analyzed everything to death. It's sort <laughs> of what I do. Right. And I was so far into that mindset in that, job. And on some level I still am, right? Because it's the habit of how I've lived my life forever. But that was one of the wake up calls to me as I was going through this, that I was very much out of touch with my intuition. And for a long time, I had told people that I didn't have good intuition because I always thought it was wrong, but I was just out of touch with it. And I think in our community, there's a lot of people who talk about intuition a lot. And I think there's a lot of people who haven't gotten to the point where they've connected with it yet. And I guess my message to them is it does take a little time, but you'll see it when it starts popping through. But for me, the trick there is giving it space to come through rather than throwing my analytical mind at everything it's quieting down. It's doing some of the journaling. It's doing some of the meditations. It's quieting it down so I can hear it because I can't hear it through the analytical machinations that go on my head. Cause man, those are loud some days.
1: The noise, the noise, right?
0: Absolutely. It's also trusting
2: it because that's the next step is a lot of people will hear it and not trust it. And that takes some time and practice. So a lot of times we're telling people the intuition's there but you've been told not to trust
0: it. And I definitely had been told that. Yes. Yeah, and that's why
2: I would actually suspect that some of your analytical brain that there was probably intuition in there as well. Um right, and that's why when those two things align there's brilliance there.
0: Awesome. And so Amy, what would you suggest for people who are trying to bridge these pieces together?
3: So I would say as much as we're talking about a wholeness here of the body all the way through to the soul, it's going to sound like a contradiction. Because I would say, remember all the different parts and pieces of yourself. Remember that you have a body. Remember that you have a heart where you keep your compassion and your joy and your love. Remember that you have a spirit, which is your strength and your will and your drive. It's also your intuition, your creativity, your self expression. Remember you have this soul which is who you are. It's where you keep your hope, your trust, your faith. There's all these different parts and pieces of ourselves and they need different things. The body needs to be healed, to be strengthened. And yes, of course, it's going to have a knock-on effect to these other things. Sometimes the heart needs a little bit of freedom that we lose when we become rigid in our physical healing routines. So how how do we work with that? How do we find that freedom that the heart might yearn for? How do we keep going? How does that spirit keep going when it might feel broken and it might feel like giving up? So seeing ourselves and seeing what each of these pieces really, truly needs, if we have an awareness on them, it's like having four children. You know, (laughs) it's a bit like having four pets and they each have their own character and they each have their own demands and their own needs. And how are we going to keep everybody happy? Sometimes I say to people, see yourself as the CEO of all those different pieces and parts, and then you've also got to kind of be the CEO of the emotions as well. We throw those in on top, some more things to look after, because there's these emotions that will come, fear will come, frustration will come, anger will come, hurt will come how can you just pull yourself back to a little bit of space and just say okay there's some hurt there it's gonna go i feel it now i'm not gonna feel it forever we can get into is it mine then we can get into am i detoxing we can get into you know you can drill down on it a little bit but just sometimes a little bit of space between you and what you're feeling and then you can marry those emotions with maybe some of the needs that you have as a body heart spirit and soul so like i say that may sound like a contradiction to fragment yourself but i'm talking about it as though you're coming from this place of like a ceo or like a mother where you're taking care of all the parts and pieces so that they work together really well
0: oh my god that's so brilliant because I have felt it many times myself. I can tell in the Facebook groups, there are so many people, we get so focused on the ins and outs of washing the celery and juicing the celery and cleaning the juicer and doing the grocery shopping and doing all the bits and pieces. Hyper-focus. Hyper-focus and hyper-activity around it too, right? Yeah. That all the rest of it gets pushed aside. I've just been talking recently
3: about how I've been away for two weeks with my family to the beach with my kids. And I love nothing more than pulling on my wetsuit with my kids and running into the sea and catching some waves with them. And when I'm there, I do the juicing and i it's busy. I'm making breakfast, lunch and dinner all in the morning so we can get out and I'm committed to it. But I'm eating more fats. And I'm eating more grains than I would do when I'm at home. But I feel my best there because my soul is literally leaping for joy. My heart is exploding, it's so full because I'm doing the thing that I love more than anything. And I think that really explains how we have these different parts and pieces of ourselves they all have their needs. So yes, I can do that for two weeks. I couldn't do it for 52 weeks because my body would start to complain a little bit more, but we have to take care of the whole picture.
0: Oh my God. I just love that. I saw some of those pictures that you had posted online from that trip and it looked amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So you guys have come together on this project that you've been working on that I think we've already alluded to called The Snug. Dr. Green, can you talk a little bit about the genesis of that and what it is and how it can help people?
1: Sure, I'd love to. Well, to begin with, the three of us were sharing clients, patients back and forth because I came to them saying like, you guys, a lot of people are in panic and there's only so much time in a session to talk about all these things and people need support and they need more support right now. And some people either had a therapist or didn't have a therapist or couldn't find a therapist. And also the idea that they didn't understand medical medium and they didn't feel understood in any way, shape or form when they would go to therapy. So uh, we started sharing clients. and so." what came from there was like, how could we collaborate a little bit more and how could we do something in more of a group format that would be really supportive and create community at the same time? So it took us a while of uh, lots of great conversations with great talks and, uh, about lots of different things. And then we finally pinned it down on, I mean, Amy can share a little bit more about where the name comes from, The Snug. You know, it was the two of them had been talking about The Snug and calling it this term, which is this place that people come to and feel held and feel supported and can share and there be experiences in teaching and learning and being able to like let go of some of the stress and tension and to feel that they were in this community of like-minded souls, that they're on all walking the same path, and where people get stuck, and where they get stuck in their own lives, and that they can leave their life, and for an hour, they can come together, we can come together and have a topic that we talk about, that we share from our own experiences and our own life, and so we created this group called The Snug, and essentially, it's this, right now, for our beginning, is a one-hour journey that people come to. And they listen. They share. They're they're talking in the chat box to each other. They're excited because they're all experiencing the highs and the lows of their lives. And um, we talk about things that we can't talk about necessarily on IG Lives or in posts. Or we're we're talking about these really important topics that are gonna ha- that people have questions about. They have questions about everything, and then we can help them to learn something new. And look at their life and have their own aha moments and look at their lives differently and be able to walk away feeling a little more centered, a little more grounded, a little more able to go back into their life and then until they come back again for the next month. And so it's a place that it's inexpensive, that it's affordable, and we're just there to share some wisdom and our own experiences and our own lives and our own ups and downs and journeys with healing along the way. Like Eileen is the quintessential storyteller like no one else. And it's like, when we're voxering, the next thing I know, like I ask something and there's like going to be a story behind it. And I'm like, okay, here's the story. But there's so much in the story. And I love it. I just love the stories. And it it helps people to learn and to feel engaged and to feel like we're no better than anybody else. We've all been there, been down in the in the depths of the the trenches with all of it Uh, we all have our family stuff we all have our physical stuff so i love it i i think it's a great place for people and i love working with these two and it's just brilliant i'm really about collaboration and i love 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 collaborating with other practitioners because i just think it's it makes me happy that fills my soul to work with other practitioners it really really does and it's just much more exciting and fun to be with others and, and help help everybody on, on this journey.
2: Amy and I have this joke when we first started working together, because I'm the same. I like a collaborative effort. I was trained in architecture, which is a collaborative effort, and I worked for it a couple of decades. So I understand that process and I enjoy it. And Amy and I are both fans of the Beatles, And we joke that, you know, each one individually is extremely talented, but when they came together, something happened that was greater than the sum of the parts. And that's how I think the three of us feel about collaboration is something happens. that's greater than the sum of the parts. And that's why communities are so amazing. And people who are healing right now are looking for a safe community, a compassionate community. And one of the things that we say over and over again within the snug is it's okay if you're not drinking celery juice, right? (laughs) What the snug is not about shame or where should or shouldn't be or us telling you any of that. The snug is a place to come and just be and get that breath out and that sense of relief and that sense of support once a month.
3: Also I would say we all hold a phenomenal amount of truth about the world these days. That's not easy to hold. The world's going crazy. That's not news. We're all feeling it. We're also these sensitive, intuitive beings. We're all going through a lot of stuff in our own personal lives. It's hard to hold that on your own. Having somewhere where you can have that conversation about truth. You can ponder what's to come, what's going on, what's been, how to get through these times. To have that place to go, I think that's important. I know I personally crave that conversation. I have Eileen and Sherry, we talk all the time. And we just really wanted to extend that. We know we're not alone in this. We're speaking to clients all the time. And actually, one of the most common things we hear is that people feel really alone at this time. And it's it's really a difficult place to be. But in truth, we are numerous. And there's a lot of us that live this way. And there's a lot of us that understand what we're going through. And even if it's just for a little while, once a month, where we can come on and we can see those faces and see other people and connect with somebody that gets us, that is long lasting. It may just be an hour, but it can carry you through that month. So it's, it's that sort of sentiment of creating that community and that safe space. And that's why we called it the snug, as Sherry said. It's a little funny story, because a snug is a kind of cozy, little room in your house if you live it's certainly in the uk some parts of europe i believe and when i mentioned my snug i don't know how it came up probably i had a child run in the room and i must have mentioned go to the snug or something eileen's architectural is really raised and she said what's a snug (laughs) and i was like oh it's just the room where we you know we hang out (laughs) and obviously that stayed with eileen because then we're talking Fast forward, we're talking about collaboration with Sherry and we're talking about one doctor, two shaman and Eileen's like, let's call it the snug. So she really is a shaman, but you can't take the architect piece out of her. It's still there.
0: (laughs) Awesome. I think that's so brilliant. It's something that I've heard from people for years in this community is that they feel alone and they want more community and they want more community and I've even heard from people who found the podcast who aren't in any of the social media groups and haven't connected to other people who are in the community. And they've said to me, you talk like there's more of us out there. And I'm like, that's because there are, we're here, like, come find us. There's ways to find us. But I love this because it's so much more personal. It's a sacred space. It's outside of the watchful eyes of social media, which is not the friendliest space always, but it's what we have, right? It's one of the ways that we all connect, but having space that's outside of that is extremely valuable too, where you can feel comfortable and share and be heard and connect. I think that's, it's such a big piece of this journey to have that support. Agreed. Well, fantastic ladies, I am so honored that you came on the podcast again for each of you and that we were able to have this conversation all together. This was so valuable. It really struck home in my heart too. So I hope everybody listening appreciates this as much as I do, but I can really feel the power of how you all connect together. And it's just such a beautiful space being here and sharing some microphones with you today. So thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you for having us. Absolutely. It's always fun to talk to you, Kirsten, always. Thank you.
2: Thank you. And your podcasts are a real treasure that I hope more and more
0: people discover because they're amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, really, truly. Thank you.
0: I hope you found this episode as helpful as I did. To find out more about Dr. Sherry, Eileen, and Amy, as well as their new program called The Snug, I will include links for all of these things in the show notes. I will also include the links to some of the other things that we talked about, including some of the meditations that we referenced, as well as other podcast episodes that each of them had been featured on. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you will have to hit follow in order to be able to see the show notes. And they are also available on my website at carefullyhealing.com forward slash podcast. And as a reminder, this is episode number 85. If you've been enjoying the Quest for Healing podcast and have some suggestions about what you'd like to hear more about in future episodes, please feel free to DM me on Instagram at Carefully Healing with Kirsten, which is K E R S T I N. For the next episode, I'm going to do something a little bit different. As you're likely aware and maybe very excited about, like me, Medical Medium is releasing his next two books next week on Tuesday, October 11th. This is the Brainsaver book and the companion book that has cleanse and recipes in it. So for the next episode, which is going to be in two weeks from now, I'm going to divulge my top revelations from the new Brainsaver book, so don't forget to tune in for that. Thank you for joining me today on the Quest for Healing podcast. These discussions are not intended to provide medical advice, but rather to give you examples of methods and modalities that you may find interesting, informative, or helpful. Please work with your doctor as you undertake your own health journey. Hey, it's Kirsten. Before I started out on my health journey, I didn't know how poisonous many of the cleaners I used in my home were. Then when I started trying to clean the toxins out of my body, I started to question if the cleaners I was using were just adding back more. And how does that make sense when we're using toxic chemicals to get things clean? So imagine how excited I was when I found non-toxic, fragrance-free, essential oil-free Branch Basics cleaners. Now I use them for many things around my house, including scrubbing my kitchen and bathroom, cleaning my juicer, and as the laundry detergent for cleaning my clothes. Plus, it's also the soap that I use to wash my fruit because it's also sodium laurel sulfate free. So check out branchbasics.com. Their starter kits make it so easy to get started and you can use my code carefullyhealing, which is all one word, for 15% off your purchase. And because I always want to be upfront with you, this is an affiliate link, so I will earn a small commission if you buy using my code. But I only recommend this product because I love it and use it myself. So if you're ready to start cleaning your home with a healthier cleaner, go to branchbasics.com.